you know, I just keep learning things and trying it. Yeah. And it hasn't always worked. I mean, we've spent a ton of money sometimes on like things that were didn't work at all. <laughs> but that's what business is. Like it's everything is a test. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give their patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, and author of The Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. All right, hello. Uh, this is Aaron LeBauer. Welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. Um, if you don't know what this is all about, this is all about me helping inspire you with some amazing guests like my guest today, Jessica Drummond, um, so that you can level up your business and your career and not rely on insurance companies to be successful. So uh, today, my uh, guest is Jess Drummond. I've known her I, I easily four or five years. I can't remember um, when we first chatted, but I was telling her today, I wanted to bring her on the show because when I first um, had a conversation with her, she was telling me about Infusionsoft and everything she was doing. And if you don't know, Infusionsoft is or the gold standard of email automation CRM. And I was like, wow, she knows what she's talking about. I don't know. It took me so long to get her on the show because... There's so many other things I want to talk with her about today, but so Jessica is a very savvy, savvy business owner. And so Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. It's my pleasure. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, like seriously, like when we talked a few years ago, I was like, I'm not doing infusion stuff. I was like, I think I was like, why are you using it? And I still don't use it. I use something else, but the whole like understanding and it's, it's no more complicated than neuroanatomy. Yeah, oh, a, no. lot of, a lot of people, <laughs> I know, right? But a lot of people don't even want to, you know, try to figure this stuff out. So we'll unpack that in a little bit. But I would say that uh, I was really impressed. And, you know, I know we've got to know each other really slowly over the last few years. But um, yeah. I, I think that what you're doing with the Integrative Women Health, Women's Health Institute is really important. So I'd like to start a little bit with how'd you get into PT? How and and like, how did you get from PT to there? So what, what's the thing that brought you into physical therapy in the first place? Like, I don't even know this part of your story. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even really know this part of my story. The truth is I was an athlete. So I was a gymnast pretty high level for 13 years of my life. I spent, you know, 20 hours a week in the gym and I was good at science. I had good grades in school and I, didn't want to go to medical school. And I, you know, unlike I have a 15 year old daughter now and there's a whole lot that goes into sort of college counseling and everything now. And that I didn't really have. I mean, basically my dad was like, Oh, I have a cousin. She's a physical therapist. That seems like a pretty good job. And I was good at science and I liked sports and I was like, okay. And basically that was it. In college, I worked in the training room as like an athletic trainer. I was an athlete in college and really it just kind of went from there. I went directly to graduate school in physical therapy. I graduated in 99 and I originally practiced in outpatient sports medicine initially in Atlanta. Um, but pretty quickly I specialized in women's health and it started as, you know, women's health is really 
specialized orthopedics. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, pelvic ring pain and pregnancy. It's shoulder issues related to breast cancer surgery. And so, and then I got deeper and deeper into that and worked at a women's specialty hospital, but that's sort of how it all went. It was a very organic career evolution. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're working for someone else, mm-hmm. pelvic, pelvic health, um, working with, uh, working with people. What got you to like own your own business? And did you go into private practice or did you just kind of open up this, like, like you start teaching, you know, what was, what were the steps that got you there? Yeah. So for the first 10, 10, 12-ish years of my practice, I worked for other people. I worked in an outpatient sports medicine clinic that I didn't own, and I worked in several hospital-based outpatient clinics in both orthopedics and women's health, and a a really big one in Houston at the Women's Hospital of Texas, so I got to do everything women's health-related and a lot of good training there. And then what happened was when my oldest daughter was born in 2003, I got really sick and I had what I now understand to be after a lot more education was likely an activation of the Epstein-Barr virus and I was I was exhausted I had severe anxiety and panic attacks you know my blood sugar was all over the place but there wasn't a lot of answers for me even though at the time I was working at a big teaching hospital in North Carolina I was surrounded by good you know healthcare I was, um, but I was really sick and the only answers were kind of like antibiotics when I kept getting chronic, you know, like sinus infections or um, antidepressants if I wasn't feeling well otherwise and none of that worked for me. So I discovered functional medicine, functional nutrition because I was just so, so sick and that wasn't very well-known at the time. There was one doctor in Houston that had been practicing in functional medicine from very early on. And we used to send her when I was, when I was working in that big women's hospital in Houston, all of our like difficult patients, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we would be like, ah, send them to Dr. Nelly. Like, we don't know what's wrong with you. And so finally I actually literally like quit my job, moved back to Texas, threw myself at the feet of Dr. Gross and, um, She, over the course of about two years, she and her son helped me get well. And the vast majority of what I had to change was my nutrition, my relationship to stress, you know, exercising a lot less from a person who had been in a gym since she was four years old, you know, weightlifting and exercising intensely forever to do almost nothing for two years to heal was a huge change, but it was required. And, you know, there were no medications. There was very little supplementation. It was just a complete lifestyle shift. So that was so shocking to me that you could change from literally like being too weak to drive your kid to school to two years later being as healthy, probably healthier than you've ever been in your life. Mm -hmm. Just changing nutrition and lifestyle was not something that was really introduced in any of the Western medical training that I had. And, and in fact, my first, you know, criticizers, my first loud criticizers were all of my, not all of my colleagues, some of my colleagues were great, but my colleagues, you know? And so, um, but I just knew that if this could change my hormonal health and my general health so dramatically, that there were women in my women's health practice who, especially in the world of pelvic pain, endometriosis, vulvodynia, bladder issues, you know, 
we would plateau with some of them just with PT. And I thought, you know, th if this changes hormones, potentially it could impact chronic pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. So I brought that perspective back to my clinical practice when I was healthy enough to go back to practice. And I did work still in, in, in someone else's clinical practice for a while. But then the next time we moved, we moved a lot during that period because my husband's a consultant. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't go back to work. I just started a virtual and kind of in-person health coaching practice before mm -hmm. I went back. Eventually I went back and got a doctorate in clinical nutrition and got licensed in nutrition. But honestly, all the tools and licenses I have, I now still lead with coaching about mm -hmm. helping people change their lifestyle. And I actually had at the, when we were first in Houston, I first started this practice. I had this, we were building a new house. I built this like gorgeous office with like reclaimed floors, all this stuff. Not a soul came there. I had a heart, a card table. And when I told clients that I, I could either work with them by phone or they could come in, zero people wanted to come in because the traffic in Houston's horrible. If you could just like sit in your lunch hour and like talk on the phone with someone, that yeah. was the preferred thing. So I always, that started cash from the get go because there's no like insurance for mm -hmm. health coaching. And it just grew from there. So I started working with one-on-one -on -one clients, but as soon as anyone would let me, like the, I say, I say this all the time, like the first year I started teaching this stuff, which my colleagues at Women's Hospital invited me to come teach them. They were just like, tell us what you've learned. Yeah. Um, and then for a year, I traveled all over the world and spoke in front of any group of people that would have me in front of like 20 people or more and just explained all that I had learned about nutrition and lifestyle and how that affects hormones and inflammation and immune health and all of this stuff and how that was related to women's health physical therapy. So it, it kind of started at the same time, but I did have a private practice in health coaching before, you know, kind of a little bit before I was teaching my colleagues. Mm, that's awesome. So you went back, did you get a degree in like as a dietitian or nutritionist or what was the other degree that you got besides PT? So I have a doctorate in clinical nutrition. Okay. So I have a license. So my, I'm not an RD, I'm what's called a CNS, which mm -hmm. is another pathway for nutrition licensure. So I'm okay. actually a licensed nutritionist as well. Oh, wow. Awesome. I didn't even, I didn't even know that. Cause I know that, I mean, there's a lot of this information that we can go, I mean, as health professionals in PD, we just go learn and advise people based on our practice act. Like in sure. North Carolina, I can't actually recommend any vitamins or supplements to my patients. As a PT. True. And it depends a lot on what state you live in for that kind of thing. Um, lots of states are, you know, very flexible. I started my business in Texas because that's where we lived. Yeah. Um, I do still see patients one day a week because I like to really kind of keep my hand in it. So I do both PT and nutrition and health coaching. I see people virtually. I see people in the office, whatever they want. Yeah. Um, but I just do that once a week cause I enjoy it. It's not, it's, it's really nothing that I, I don't care how much money I make doing it. I just right. do it because I think it's important to keep learning and keep learning from my patients. Yeah. Um, but my, my company is based in Houston, even though I live still, I live most of the time now in Connecticut. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, you moved and you started, you, so you guys, you moved from, you, from Atlanta, Houston up to, was that when you moved to Connecticut when you started your, your online health coaching business? Yeah. So the first time we moved to Connecticut, which was, I think, 2011 or late 2010, I started the um, 
you know, I've been doing it since 2009 with the physical therapy, but I just didn't get any physical therapy job in 2009, 2010, whenever we moved and just went full on into doing virtual coaching. What was the first thing you did? Like, how did you start that part of your business? This was, was that your first business that you owned? Was this like virtual, virtual business? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the time there wasn't like Zoom or Skype really. Um, no, there was Skype. Um, I mostly worked with people on the phone, yeah. just phone. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny because <laughs> like I had no intention. I was not an intentional business owner. Yeah. I was just passionate about helping people in a way that I knew didn't really exist yet. Yeah. And so I didn't worry about like the tools or whatever, you know, people, I had an an office. So my second, so that first house, we built this gorgeous office that no one came to. Right. The second house, we were living in a rental that was like a thousand square feet. I have a family of four. I had a, a back porch that was not even heated and it was in Connecticut, <laughs> a card table, a, a laptop and a phone yeah. and probably a camera. Cause there weren't like iPhone cameras, you know? Yeah. Um, I, so I did have a video camera and like an, you know, a little bit of lighting, but that That's was awesome. pretty much it. I was like literally in this back porch and I, I found my first clients by just talking to people. My friends would send me their mothers. I would go to my, like the other moms at school's house and like teach them how to make smoothies. And then a couple of them would be my clients. Like, I just started telling people about what I did and one at a time I got clients and then I started learning tools of marketing in 2011. You know, I, I had someone build me like a real website and I took some speaking training and, you know, so I did eventually really dive into the marketing piece because of course that's essential. But initially it was just, Hey, let me help you, you know? Right. Right. That's awesome. So what were the steps you took from let me help you and let's meet on the phone, you know, once a week or every other week or whatever it was to like, like what were the big chunks from there to where you are now, where you're, you're still doing that a little bit, but you've got education um, seminars and products for clinicians as well as for patients. And yeah. A whole lot of stuff. You've got a faculty that works for you that, yeah. that teach this stuff. How did you know that this was a good idea and what were the steps you took along the way to, to get here? Well, I knew it was a good idea because when I started using it with patients, it worked. Yeah. And I was shocked. I was just as shocked as anyone. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, dude, you just stop eating sugar and your pain goes away. Or, you know, and obviously not every case is that simple, but I had a patient who had was going to get a hysterectomy and we real, I said, you know, I don't know if this is going to work but stop eating dairy and gluten and eat a lot more vegetables for like two months. And let's see if that helps your pain at all. Mm -hmm. Her pain was gone. She wow. didn't have surgery. She never had surgery. She never would have had any benefit from the surgery. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, this works. So I have to figure this out. So I did other online training to learn more about nutrition. Um, you know, I just kind of kept learning on my own. Um, and I just started doing it before really I had any formal credentials because I was just so surprised that something so simple would work. And then, so there wasn't a deliberate business plan in that sense. But then what did happen was because I was so like, you guys, 
I can't believe this works. Like I've had pain in my hands for five years doing manual therapy. My boss used to have like those ice gloves, you know, those soft mm -hmm. gloves you can like wear. And I would put them on between patients. I stopped eating sugar. I had no pain in my hands at all. And I was just like, you guys have no idea. There's a way to impact pain with food and sleep and things like that. And they were like, you're crazy. And I was like, I'm serious. So that's how I started teaching my colleagues. I was always a teacher. So like I had students from probably this third month I graduated from PT school. Like as soon as they would give me students, I taught them. And I really enjoyed that piece. And I was teaching physical therapy, continuing education as like helpers. In fact, my boss at Women's Hospital was probably a big part of this because I was probably three or four years out of school. And she's like, you're teaching at CSM this year, figure out what you're going to teach. And I'm like, what? So I did. So I, I had speaking and teaching experience from the physical therapy side. I taught a lot of the section on women's health, like PT classes and whatever they wanted me to teach, mm. I would do it. And, and at the time I wasn't really making any money on that. It was just sort of like part of my job but it was something that I really enjoyed. And then I was like, okay, I have to tell my colleagues about this stuff. I was actually really surprised when a lot of people on like Twitter and stuff were really mad at me. And I'm just like, guys, no, this really is like a thing. And they're like, you have no evidence. Da, da, da. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I'm like, my hands don't hurt though. And um, so I, so I started teaching that first year, which was about 2013 or 14 when I went around the world. Now that was from, being in some just international women's health PT Facebook groups and meeting some people who were willing to have me come speak to their clinics. Julie Sarton in California, um, um, Jenny Burrell in London. She literally like invited me to her house to speak at her conference yeah. and I just showed up. Like I flew to London, never having been like been there and just stayed at her house. It, it worked out fine. Uh, awesome. Another person invited me to another hospital in London. Michelle Lyons invited me out to Ireland. I went to New Jersey and Texas and Canada and anywhere that anybody would have me. And so I did it live for about a year, which refined the course. And at that time, I met some kind of online health internet marketers who were like, yeah, you can build a program online and start leveraging. Cause I was like, look, I can only see so many people at, you know, one at a time, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to teach the like thousand women's health physical therapists that exist or whatever. This is, you know, I can't do all this. Yeah. So again, it was somewhat organic and I did then build the first iteration of that program. Like I said, probably around 24, 14, 2013, and I started taking online students through it. We did it live. I pre-recorded things. We built our first membership site. I can't remember the platform. Oh, it was on Customer Hub, which was part of in Infusionsoft. Mm -hmm. um, so I started collecting an email list. Like anytime I would speak to anybody, I had a newsletter. You know, I basically learned some super basic tools of internet marketing circa 2013. And, um, and then I just, you know, I just started learning more and more and more from there. Now at a point around that time, 2014, 2015, I had to make a decision about if I was going to work more with patients or work more with professionals. Because I tried to do both for a long time and I didn't have a lot of bandwidth. I had one team member. I had like 
an assistant who I still have with me today, who was like a mom from one of my play groups when our oldest kids were little. And she's great. I mean, she's like the organized half of my brain. So I couldn't have this without her. And um, so we just, you know, she's like, I think I want to be a VA. I'm like, hey, do you want to come work with for me? Like, literally, that was it. And that was in around 2011. And we just learned it all. Like I sent her to infusions soft classes and we hired people to help us build things. And, um, and I decided at that time to just focus on the professional side because I just preferred it. Like I just preferred speaking that language. Mm -hmm. I found it easier. Um, so I spent the last several years really building out then smaller specialty courses and fertility and hormones and female athletes and um, pelvic pain and endometriosis specialization because I started working with more and more endometriosis patients. And so I've always kept about, you know, one day a week, a couple times a month in the clinic, one-on-one with patients to think about how to continue to evolving the training. Um, and then I do now I do have six master coaches who help us deliver the big certification program, um, which is great because that requires by we have a that program is actually overseen by an international oversight board. So if someone graduates from that program, they can get a board certification just like your PT, you know, you go wow. into the test center and all of that stuff. So you can get an internationally approved board certification if you do that program. That's for like a, that's for nutrition or functional medicine? Uh, for health coaching. For health, co- for oh, health, for health coaching. coaching. Okay. okay. Yeah. So health coaching is becoming more and more legit. Like mm-hmm. it used to be that anybody could call themselves a health coach, but now there's actually an international board certification. It's not required yet by law, but yeah. a lot of organizations are participating. In I think program. that's similar to what Duke Integrative Yes, uh, does because we're really close to Duke, and so my wife did that program. And I think it's you can be certified from Duke, but they're one of the other few that prepare you for this international board. Is that ring a bell? That's a hundred percent true. Because I did Duke's program a long time ago. Actually, it was probably it was. I'm sure it was 2010 or early 2011 because I brought my baby with me. Mm-hmm. That's how old she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so us, Duke, Mayo Clinic, there's about 15 high, high quality programs in the world. There's one That's in awesome. Australia. So we got, I, I've always felt that it was yes, important. I'm sorry. To I just yeah. want to recognize it. I mean, you're up there with one of 15 of like, your business. I mean, I just congratulate you because it's, I didn't know this, but you Duke Mayo Clinic, probably Cleveland Clinic and, you know, a handful of other people. And you've got a physical therapist owning this business. Right. And it's just, it's <laughs> me and like our very small team. And I would say that's dope. I didn't know that. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's really oh, like, I want to say that's really incredible. So like, if anything, you should just be like, I'm ha- you know happy with that because that's like, that's no, that's no, uh, it's no easy feat to have something of that stature. I appreciate that because it is true. I mean, we've worked very hard to make sure our program was of the utmost quality, a hundred percent. There's a lot of stuff out there that's just like, eh, you can just go call yourself. I mean, you can, you could just call yourself a health coach. Literally. Yes. Like my dad could be a health coach. Like anyone could decide they're a health coach. There's not a barrier to entry. Um, but I saw several years ago, the industry moving, like I live really close to Yale Mm -hmm. and Yale is now hiring health coaches as a part of their hospital system, but they're hiring people who are 
certified, you know? So that was my goal was always to keep us on the cutting edge of being ahead of the curve with that so that our graduates would have all the, all the widest opportunities as possible. Um, So yes, I appreciate that. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you other than the point that's out like, because we like when my wife was looking at it, we looked and there's this great, there's this one website and it was great. I mean, it was, it was all sales and you're just like, you look at the website, you feel like, oh man, I feel really good about myself just looking at the website. And I know that my future is rosy based on what they all say. And it's just like, you dig in there and it's like, okay, what, it was, wasn't cheap either. And it's like, well, which one do you choose? And it's like, okay, we, you know, there's a lot of sales and marketing. Yeah. They can go into anything. And then there's like, what's really behind something. Does something work? Does it have, I don't know whether it's evidence-based or not. If it works, it works. And if it's done right, then we add the sales and marketing to the thing and then it, it explodes. A hundred percent. So for us, what we did from the beginning, just simply because I was always committed to quality is build very strong programs. Now I don't have Duke's marketing team or Mayo Clinic's name recognition or any of that, but we are steadily more and more getting better at marketing and we are very confident in all of our programs. Um, so that makes it easier to do the marketing. And, you know, I've always been very confident in our clinical, you know, anything I was doing clinical, you know, I don't say that I can save you or whatever, but I know that my skills are as strong as, as I can have them. And I've also both in the teaching side and in the clinical side, which I think is really valuable for people. I've never been afraid to just refer someone out if Mm -hmm. it's not the right fit. You know, I know what I'm good at. Um, but we don't, you know, I don't work with pediatric health coaching. If you want to be like a guy with diabetes health coach, honestly, I would refer you to Duke. I really would. Um, it's not, this is not our specialty. We only work with women's health. Yesterday I had a patient trying to come to see me in the clinic who wants vestibular rehab. And I was like, "Mm, you know, I can do the hall pike maneuver, but there's like, why would you come see me? That's really dumb. Right. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so I want to know, so like this didn't happen by mistake, but it happened by, you know, like just your career path and your interest and you putting yourself out there. Right. Right. And then I would say that around, you know, 2011, I like built a website. I decided to have a business. Mm-hmm. We incorporated in Texas. I got all the legal stuff set up. I got all the right insurance, you know, and over time I did go and get a doctorate in nutrition because I knew that I wanted to keep teaching more. I wanted to write books. You know, I was, I was starting to be on TV more and things like that. It's, it's just more credible when you, when people call you Dr. Drummond. Right. Right. So I did that for a particular business reason, not because there's not other ways to learn those skills, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to step into a leadership role in this world of women's health, functional nutrition, health coaching. And to do that, I really, again, I feel like as long as you build your business with a strong foundation of quality, then it's so much easier to add the marketing, like marketing is just a set of skills. It's like, it's a set of skills and it's definitely not harder than neuroscience. It's definitely not harder than, you know, orthopedic manual therapy, whatever you, right. you want to say you learned in PT school. It's not harder than that. It's just different. And it also requires 
um, a level of confidence because you're constantly having to essentially promote your stuff. Right. Right. What would you say was the biggest influence on you um, developing not, not really your programs, but your business, the way it's, it's, it's structured or the offer, the things you've got offered or the, how you've like grown as an entrepreneur, like what, what were they like? Cause I know I didn't learn it in PT school and I had to go figure it out from other places. Like where did you figure out how to start running your business efficiently, effectively and growing it and scaling it to where you've done? Like what was the biggest influence or where'd you go figure this out? Well, many years. So there's a couple different things. One, I, I learned a lot from the people I was teaching. So what else did they want to learn? What were they confused by? What was working that I was teaching them? What wasn't? So teaching live either in person or via, you know, Zoom, Skype, whenever we started getting that, teaching people live versions of the course, like putting the course out there before it was ready, keeping teaching it really informed what to create. Yeah. Um, then I would say in terms of business coaching mentors, so I joined this group called Mindshare, which is a bunch of health professionals who um, do online marketing basically. And it's run by JJ Virgin. And several years ago, really again in that like 2012 timeframe, um, I was invited to join it by a colleague of mine, Andrea Nakayama, who has a successful kind of health coaching training, or not really health coaching, but functional nutrition training business. Uh -huh. And um, through that group, I, it's just, they, there's an annual conference. When, when we first started, there was actually a conference twice a year. I was in a small mastermind, which wasn't really well-developed. They have a much more well-developed out mastermind now that I haven't been in in a long time, but I was in the first iteration of that. So like once a week I was talking to some people in the group and kind of a little accountability about getting the program done and maybe what we should price it at and like just kind of getting it started. So though that group of people and JJ's team were like some of my initial mentors. Um, I learned some early marketing skills from Fabian Fredrickson, um, not really about how to build the program necessarily, but just more confidence about writing. I, you know, I had never even heard the word copywriting. Like you don't learn copywriting in PT school, you know, or nutrition school. Um, so like how to write in a completely different way. Um, the importance of doing video, filming a lot of crappy videos is how I got good at being on video. You know, I, I got super lucky too. Cause like one of my, those really early patients, I met at like just a Westport, you know, moms, women networking kind of meeting yeah. producer of the, of the news, the local news here in Connecticut when I was first starting and they invited me to do a couple segments and then they invited me to come like teach back to school. And one of the moms who was one of my initial clients, she was, had been the producer for like one of the top news people, someone like Katie Couric or Diane Sawyer or something like that. So she came to my house and like taught me how to cook on TV. So a lot of it was just like people helping me, you know? Um, and then I'm trying to think that was really the formal training. Um, I've had other kind of marketing, you know, we hired teams to help us build out funnels. That was more, tech teams and people to help us write scripts for webinar sales. Um, but it's, has been a little bit piecemeal. Um, we've worked with different copywriters. 
um, my core team of Nadia and myself. And then we have one, I have one other assistant for her now because she's just so busy. And it's just, you know, I just keep learning things and trying it. Yeah. And it hasn't always worked. I mean, we've spent a ton of money sometimes on like things that were, didn't work at all. <laughs> but that's what business is. Like it's, everything is a test, right? So I think if you go at it with the mindset of that, then you are mindful of how you spend money. You're mindful of learning from things that don't eat, don't work. Um, yeah. So it, I've kind of dabbled in all of that, yeah. you know, video marketing, sales pages, webinar marketing, email marketing, yeah. all You've that done stuff. Some of that yourself too, or you, I do all of it. Yeah. I mean, I've written essentially all of the copy I've, we've hired copywriters here and there, but now we're starting to get to where we're hiring professional marketers because right. I'm recognizing my limitations um, so in the last couple of years, you know, you can either become a super skilled copywriter or you can get better at treating patients and teaching people how to treat patients with endo. Yeah. You can't really do both at a, at some level. Right. Right. That's awesome. What's the, what's the best way that you guys, like, what's the number one way that you're like, what's the best marketing thing that you're doing or what's the best sales? Um, like, you know, or maybe both like, that you're doing to bring awareness to what you've got and to sell your products and coaching and, and classes and courses. So traffic driving strategies are best are um, live speaking. I still mm -hmm. do a fair amount of live speaking podcasts like this one and summits. So essentially live on video speaking, mm -hmm. Facebook lives. Uh, we do that very consistently. Um, I now have a consistent Instagram platform organic. So we're still, kind of optimizing mostly organic strategies. Mm -hmm. We're looking into how to start optimizing or how to really move into paid traffic strategies, but I use mostly organic strategies to the hilt now. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And how about selling your courses? Like, is it just people go to your website and they buy it or do you, do you launch them once or twice a year? Do you promote them? You know, are you doing webinars to sell them? Or are you selling them through emails, something else? Yeah, we have them all built into evergreen webinar funnels. So about two years ago, we invested two and a half years ago in a big evergreen webinar funnel that promotes all of the courses over time. Oh, well, wow. all the all the main courses. Um, we just added a membership site, which we're still testing like a membership and we're, you know, kind of doing that just through email marketing and social marketing. But yeah. we I have evergreen webinar funnels for all of our major courses that are built into a huge system between uh, WordPress and Infusionsoft. That's awesome. What, so just for anyone who's listening, who's like, I don't know, what does that mean? What's an evergreen <laughs> webinar funnel? Okay. So good question. So we have a lot of opt-in pages. So that means like a landing page that someone would come to. So either if I'm live speaking or if I'm on a podcast about, let's say I'm a podcast about coaching and someone wants to learn more about our coaching programs. We have two funnels, two opt-in pages where you can put your name and email and then be directed to within a short period of time, a webinar that I have taught years ago, but it's recorded and it is telling you about the program and the benefits of the program. And then how to buy the program and the cost of the program and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we have it built into automated email follow-up. Um, again, telling stories of our successful students and 
um, things like that. And, you know, so there are deadlines to enroll at certain prices. So that's like what a funnel is. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a sales structure that allows me to be teaching webinars to people all the time while I'm doing other stuff. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I mean, I do a lot of the same things and I'm sure like, you know, if we sat down and compared, there'd be like slight differences, you know, but like, but sometimes it's hard for me to keep track of all that stuff too. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, what we're, we need to be better on and we're working on this year is tracking all of our conversion rates and all of our, you know, how many people are in each funnel at any given time and what other uh, marketing we're doing. So content calendar, because a lot of times we also sell other people's products that are aligned with ours. I mean, I certainly can't write a course on everything, but you know, my client, my students, there are things they want to learn that I don't yeah. teach. So we do that. But yeah, there's a lot of data driven decision making going on with what we're doing now, but it's a next level of, um, essentially tr being better at tracking your analytics. So tracking the data, like what's working, which emails are people really responding to? Do they like certain webinars? Do they stop watching me when I get boring and start talking about whatever? Um, so we're doing a better job of in a very sort of mathematical and technical way, starting to yeah. make those better. But you know, like I said, that is a level of marketing skill that we have to hire out now. Right. Right. That's awesome. That's cool. Are you, what's the, what have you changed? Like from starting to get some of that data, like what, what have you changed? Well, we're just really starting to do that, but we've been able to see that like one of our funnels was doing really, really well. So it's like, well, why is it the topic? So the topic is fertility, which is really popular. Um, that was one of the funnels that I collaborated with writing with a a trained copywriter. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a decent writer, but I'm not the best writer. So that might be something, a skill that I would hire now to optimize our other, other funnels. So there are things like that. There are so many different pieces that you look at, um, you know, topic, what people respond to. I had a co-author on that course. Is that someone who people really like learning from? So those are some of the questions when we start getting the data back that certain things are working really well. Yeah. So sometimes there's like too many variables to know like which one was it that made the difference. Right. And you can't really, unless you test it, you know, and that's the hard part about optimizing these funnels. Like it's, it's not super hard to build a funnel. Right. Um, and if it's converting it, honestly, like even 2%, then I'm, happy it exists <laughs> like, <laughs> because it's doing work that I wouldn't have to do. And our courses are mostly automated except for the, the certification program, which requires a lot of live teaching. There is a level of it just getting it started so you can collect the data. Mm -hmm. Then really the only way to optimize it is to, is to do like a research study is to test one variable at a time. And that is a whole, process. Yeah. It takes a lot. Like we're doing some of that and it's like, okay, I got to wait till we get at least a hundred people go through both sides. And sometimes, yes. sometimes it could take a day and sometimes it really just, it takes a couple of months and you're like, God, where's the data? <laughs> you know, I'm waiting for the data and you make another change. Like I wait for another couple hundred people to come through. Um, and sometimes those things are better left. Just like forget about it and they'll just come back to it in two months and then. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's why I think there's a time when it starts to make sense to hire people that that's their expertise. Yeah. 
Um, but I also think that when you're building stuff like this, optimize your strengths, right? So for me, I knew what always worked was we would always convert if I did anything live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, eventually I don't want to have to travel this much. So I've even in the last year backed that down a little bit because I still have little kids and my husband travels and you know, that's a busy life thing to do, but it converts. We know that well. So it's important to keep some of that on the schedule, but the other thing that converts is sometimes when we just keep listening and we build something new, um, you know, we kept doing that. So we have like about 15 products, which is harder to optimize now, but it keeps a baseline of revenue. And when people ask me for new stuff, you know, I, it's easy for me to create courses. I mean, that's like something literally I'm teaching one at three o'clock that I haven't quite written yet. So like, (laughs) that's that's a thing that I've done. That's like, you know, people say you have like your free square, the thing that comes easy for you. Yeah. Look for the thing that comes easy for you. Um, you know, not optimize, but do a bunch of that first, get us a decent and keep it quality keep a decent kind of baseline foundation of revenue so you can consistently know what you can afford to then optimize. And then, you know, start, my dad's always saying, my other best business coach, quite honestly, is my dad. Yeah. And he's not a business coach. Well, in a way he is kind of a business coach now, but he was a corporate guy, but he knows business. And he's like, look, you know, Facebook, like Zuckerberg does not code. (laughs) So there's no reason I I am never going to learn to code. That would be stupid. I mean, it's not stupid if you love it, but why would I learn to code? I'm a, I'm a clinician and a teacher. Right. Right. And so you stay, you're trying like, as you grow and scale this business, it's bringing other people to do things that I'm not as good at because it, it, it uh, saves you time or effort or put, allows you to put more time somewhere else. Right. So I can build a whole nother course. And that will make me more money than if I try to graphic design and code. And, you know, I, like I said, I've done the copywriting, which I think has been valuable because it really has helped me tune into what our students want. But there are a lot of the, you know, I don't build the Infusionsoft funnels. I could, I did it like, you know, at the very beginning, but why would I spend my time doing that? I don't build sales pages. I might write the copy. I might optimize a button here or there, Mm -hmm. but there's no reason for me to spend my time doing that when I could write a whole other course. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you put like your heart and soul into a court into a course and put it out there and no one came and bought it? Yes. One of our worst selling courses is one of our best courses. And I don't understand why. Um, (laughs) We still haven't quite figured this out. Um, Female athlete, our female athlete course. I've been invited to teach. I taught last year in China and the Olympic training center They loved it. Every time people actually do it, they love it. So I'm sure there's a problem with the marketing. Yeah. But female athlete has essentially bombed. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I had the same <laughs> thing. You know, everyone asked me for a marketing course. I'm like, sweet. All right, here's your marketing course. And I think it, my perception is people got into it like, damn, that's a lot of work. I don't want to do it. You know, uh, but you know, it's like, I don't need, you know, it's like in it. And I was like, hey, everyone, you asked for it. Like what happened? But it's, you know, I'm sure it's a message rather. I mean, the course is awesome but yeah. it's a message and it's a market thing, but is that what you need to go out and spend your time figuring out how to sell that? If you've already got, you know, two or three other things that are working really well. Yes. And no, we're optimizing the things that are working better first. Yeah. Then we'll see. Um, because I kind of like that course. I think it's really yeah. unique, 
Um, and so we'll see, but, but it, it, it may, it, eventually it, we may turn it off, yeah. you know? But is it, do you think it's like that people who attend an event want it, but people who want to learn it online, like they want a different, a different thing. Yes. To some degree it's possible because that's one of our heaviest sort of physical therapy ish courses. Yeah. Um, because it is more physical athlete, you know, like exercise and youth and Julie teaches a great section of Julie Granger teaches an awesome section of that, which is like on youth athletes and, you know, multi-sport and not doing too many sport, you know, not just specializing too early and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So it's possible that our audience isn't perfectly aligned. We have a lot of physical therapists, probably yeah. 40%, but not a hundred percent. So there's that. Um, it, a lot of physical therapists like to learn things in person and, you know, teaching it in person might be better. So yeah, who knows, you know, as you said, there's all these variables Yeah. and there are certain things that, yeah, like if it just doesn't work after a while, I, I haven't put much attention to it, even on the marketing side in a couple right. of years and we may or may not we'll look at it, but then when it comes time, cause every time you build a course, you've got to at some point optimize it, right? Like right. the course itself, you, the data gets old, whatever you have to go back and add some new stuff. Yeah. We may or may not do that for that one. Right. So. so why, what's the business? And this is great. Cause what's the business decision level of thinking why you haven't gone back to optimize or figure this out? Because we have other things that are working better. So let's optimize that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. Like I want, that's what I wanted to like get to. Cause I knew you, I knew that was there and I you know, that's it, but that's, it. it's like, you got something, you know, it's great, but don't overspend your time. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, I published a book last year, nutrition for relieving pelvic pain did fine and Kindle. The team that I worked with doesn't really know well how to like turn it into a paperback. It's a little too general. It's not perfectly hitting the market. Mm -hmm. I could change that book. I could spend a lot of time on it, but it'll take me a lot less time to just put out the next book we have coming out yeah. and learn the lessons from the first book, leave it there, make a couple hundred dollars a month, have it help people. Don't spend any more time there. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to pivot before we finish. I want to pivot a little bit about something we talked about before we hopped on because um, clearly you're successful and clearly you're a woman and I'm not, <laughs> but I want to know, and this is like, this happened on like someone posted a comment on my Instagram earlier this week. It's like, Aaron, we're all the, you know, the female physical therapy business coaches. We're all the, you know, and it, it sparked a little discussion of where is, our profession is full of women who are very intelligent, who know a lot. And there's a lot of different reasons why I think people who know a lot don't become, you know, don't share, but why is it that you feel like, or why is it there are not as many women leading our profession or coaching or teaching other people in our profession or, or out and visibly public? Like they may be there, but they may not be visible to a lot of people. I think that's a good question. I think there are a couple of answers. So in physical therapy, you're right. And even in healthcare in general, it's a women dominated, you know, industry, but leadership is always been lagging. And so I think there are two things having kind of started to, we now do offer business coaching, which is a new, a relatively new thing about two years for us. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't offer business coaching at first. You know, I probably could have taught people Infusionsoft or in that kind of stuff, you know, digital marketing on a basic level five years ago, but it wasn't my core business model. Mm -hmm. 
So sometimes there are women business owners who aren't teaching business coaching because they're running their business. Right. Um, and I know a number of, you know, successful PT practice owners that are women are just running their business. It's not your core business. It's going to take you away from your core business. For us, um, what I started to notice was some of our best graduates were leaving and going to other business coaching programs. And business coaching, as we talked about, there's no barrier to entry. You don't have to have a license, a certification, any training. In fact, someone tried to sell me into a mastermind the other day. <laughs> and I talked to her, and this was a woman, but it was the mastermind was run by a man. And I said, okay, so the people who are going to be coaching, what's their level of experience? And she's like, oh, you know, I've been doing this for two years. And I'm like, two years? <laughs> what? You know, like... But so with business coaching, you can have great marketing. The thing about business coaches is they're great. They're usually great marketers. Mm -hmm. That's why their business made money fast. And there is a bit of implicit bias, I believe, that comes from confident men who are great marketers. It's, they're good at selling you business coaching. And a few confident women who are great marketers who are good at selling you business coaching. Because honestly, if you create one product that hits your audience right, you build out the funnels that we were just talking about, you have an eye for internet digital marketing, you're telegenic enough yeah. uh, in whatever your audience is, you could have one product, you could make a million dollars in revenue in your first 18 months yeah. easily. Now, do a lot of people do that? No, because you have to hit all those things, right? But you could do that when you're 25 years old and you don't have kids and you've never run anything and you haven't worried about your license. You don't have any like, you know, legal structure in place. You've never been sued. No one's ever tried to steal your stuff. You know, all these different things. You could teach somebody how to build a funnel. You could charge them $15,000 to do it if you're a good marketer. Mm -hmm. And people will buy that because you're a good marketer. And I find that especially young men have the confidence to freaking do that. Yeah. Women on average don't. Mm -hmm. Now I would say that probably if you go to a woman business coach who's had experience in business, you're probably going to get better business coaching. Honestly, if you go to a male business coaching, a coach who's had good experience in business, you're going to get better business coaching. But what women think about that generally younger men that sometimes make a lot of money business coaching mm -hmm. don't is all of the risks. Right. We, we get our ducks in a row. We think about our licensure. We think about scopes of practice. We think about legal risk. We think about people stealing our intellectual property and how to protect against that. We think about marketing. We think, you know, there is a confidence issue sometimes too, quite honestly, for women to just get out and market, you know, put themselves on video, put themselves on stage. The faster you do that, the faster you're going to be visible. Right. Um, so I think it's both those things. I think it's women not having as much confidence sometimes as men to be visible. I think women being mindful of stepping away from their core business because that's a big, that's a risk. Right. And I think that in physical therapy, a woman leader, her core business is probably not business coaching. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So why were you able to do it? Well, because we, our core business is teaching people to become essentially health coaches, mm -hmm. which is a cash-based business model. 
and they were starting to hit a wall. So again, listening to my clients, what they need is now more clients. So I have, I feel like 10 years in a decent amount of business experience, a decent amount of marketing and sales experience, at least to, to begin to coach the students who I know are well-trained because I know that they then have, um, a good product. Yeah. And so a lot of it is now coaching my students to get kind of out of their own way and then learn some of this technical stuff, like when to do it, when to outsource it, um, you know, when to spend your time on it, a lot of the conversations that we've just had. So for me, it took eight years of business experience before mm-hmm. I was willing to even offer this to our students because I want it to be good, just like the rest of our stuff. Right, right. What does um, someone who's either like a mom maybe not a mom, but, you know, been in the profession for longer because I don't want to isolate anyone or um, like two or three years out of PT school and they've got a great idea. They want to open a business. They're female. Um, What do they need to hear to be able to be successful faster than maybe uh, what they're on track for? So if you are a new grad ish, you know, first three years out young woman and want to start a business, I strongly suggest you do it immediately. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You are so much less busy now than you're ever going to be in your entire life, (laughs) even though it doesn't feel like it. So if they really want to be business owners, honestly, the business part is a skill, but it's not at all harder than what you learned in PT school. Mm -hmm. Focus on your quality, but dedicate time. Price yourself high enough so you have enough time to run your business. Um, And I would suggest they start as soon as possible. That's awesome. But be passionate about it. You know, do something that you really want to do. Cause if you start your own business, it's not at all like having a job for the last 10 years. I mean, you've probably done the same thing. I've worked all the time, <laughs> flexible and traveled and from home and I'm at pickup and I'm at okay. drop off and I can do whatever I want increasingly and increasingly and increasingly, but it's a lot of work. And it's so much easier to start it before you have children or before you have aging parents or before you have other responsibilities. Now, one thing that the younger generation is coming out of PT school now with what we didn't really have to deal with as much is massive amounts of debt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's problematic because, you know, on the other hand though, if you're willing to go all in, you can make a lot more money if you build something of your own, something that you are passionate about, something you're willing to commit to. This is the other problem I see with my younger students. You have to be willing to commit to this idea, making mistakes, doing things wrong for at least five years. Like you gotta be all in. If you are, I don't see any reason why why you won't be successful. You're smart enough, the tools are all there, you have an iPhone, like (laughs) yeah, start now. Yeah, that's awesome. What about for someone who like, you know, isn't younger, but you know, is like more our generation, you know, like who doesn't have a business yet or is just struggling to get off the ground, you know? So if you're in your thirties or forties, then, and you honestly, if you want to do it, do it anyway. I mean, I started this when I was 34, well, 34, 35, 34. And I had, I had a one-year-old, you know, actually I started it when I was pregnant on bed rest. I was seeing clients on the phone. I couldn't work. So I started health coaching on the phone. I was literally on bed rest for three months with Kate. I, when I went to Duke, my mom came with me and Kate came with me when I first started learning some of this, like 
you can do this at any point, but you will need support. You will need a clear like financial plan. So you've got some cash to support yourself and you will have to ask people for help. You'll need childcare. You'll need, you know, if you have children, um, but you also know enough. None of this is like rocket science. And if you're passionate about starting something and willing to commit the time, you know, it might be at night, it might be on the weekends, whatever. Um, uh, you can do it anytime. I mean, I literally did it in the middle of having children. In fact, there's a little bit of a sweet spot. You know, I know you're a dad too. Yeah. Um, when my kids, cause my husband traveled almost full time for the last four and a half years. So when my kids were like, my oldest was in fifth grade and my youngest was like in kindergarten for the last four years, we had the sweet spot because I was working at home. One could watch the other, teach them to cook, teach them to do the dishes, teach them to put each other to bed. They're young enough and old enough to do it. And they, they want to now high school is a whole different animal that we don't have time to talk about today. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My kids are, you know, they're eight and 10. So we've got a few years, but they're starting to like act like they're, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're mimicking the older kids and it's just like, Oh my God. But see, they're in the sweet spot of when you can yeah. work a little bit now. Cause like right. I would have calls in Asia and Mark would be out of town a 10 year old and an eight year old can put each other to bed. Right. Right. Well, not my kids, but I haven't trained them to do that yet. But <laughs> you got to train them. That's key. <laughs> <laughs> that is key. Awesome. Yeah. Jessica, well, thank you for uh, coming in and, and spend some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I, I hope this was valuable to everyone yeah, ab in your community. Absolutely. If um, someone wants to get in touch with you or even learn more about the programs uh, that you guys are offering, where can they find you online? Our website is integrative womenshealthinstitute.com and all of our professional and public programs are there. Awesome. And are you on like is a good place to connect with you on social media somewhere? Yeah. The best place would be Instagram at integrative women's health or Facebook. We're also at integrative women's health Institute. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything that I forgot to ask you that you think would be beneficial to people? I don't think so. I think we covered it all. And I would say that if you're, passionate about anything, even if you're not sure you want it to be a business, it's worth giving it a try. If you're sure you want to have a business, you'll look back in 10 years and be happy that you did this. Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for the Cash PG Lunch Hour. This is Aaron Bauer and Jess Drummond. And go all in and uh, don't be afraid to fail. And we'll see you on the next show. Hey, what's up, it's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you wanna learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint. Because I wanna get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there, I wanna give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.